Rewind with Oshin Langan. Kingston! Rifles it into the roof of the net. It's a big goal for Leash, and it might be the final breaking point in the spirit of Wicklow. We're under no illusions if we go out and it's anything like that in three weeks' time. It's over after ten minutes, you know, so we have a serious amount to work through in the next three weeks. Burns goes forward, burns inside the D, goal finishes it for Loud. Loud 1-22, Carlo 2-11, good night and good luck. The problem with Carlo is that unlike Kerry and Dublin and Donegal and Tyrone, our tradition is of losing. And that's ingrained in Carlo. We're all just really grateful to get the win, you know, it's been a long time coming and um, you know it's an emotional day for everyone. I think lads are going home happy, supporters are going home happy and you know it's a great place to be. I have spoken to Wedel, I don't think that we need to speak because you know perfectly what is this club, he has friends inside here and he is a, a, a very important manager in Europe so I'm sure that he will have all the information. Coming up more on all of that and we'll have Paddy Mulligan on the Premier League and the upcoming Europa League and FA Cup finals. We'll also build up to tip against Cork in the Munster Championship quarter-final in Thurles next weekend. We'll hear from the Premier's Brendan Marr and Rebels boss Kieran Kingston. First up though, it's Gaelic football and the Leinster Championship got underway this weekend as did the Ulster Championship. Leash, relatively unimpressive in their 3-16 to 18 points win over Wicklow. That game was live and off the ball and immediately afterwards, John O'Loughlin, the marauding Leash midfielder, gave his assessment to Woolley. We're under no illusions if we go out and it's anything like that in three weeks' time. It's over after 10 minutes, you know, so we've a serious amount to work through in the next three weeks. Jason Byrne, GA journalist with the Irish Sun, joins us on the Rewind. Now, Jason, how do Leash go about preparing to face the dubs in Nolan Park? It's a bit like Father Ted, isn't it? Is there anything to be said for another mass? Yeah, they might need another mass, Oshin, if, uh, if their performance on Saturday is anything to go by. They're, they have a lot to work on uh, in time to take on Dublin, and it, it could well be a massacre in Nolan Park and Kilkenny, but nobody wants that. Um, you know, things can drastically improve, I suppose, in, in the space of a few weeks, and I'm sure they'll get the heads down and knuckle down and do some uh, big, big work on the training field in the next few weeks. Uh, Anthony Cunningham's addition can only be a good thing as far as I can see. Um, I know he wasn't at the game uh, at the weekend. I think he was away, but, um, you know, people will always think of Anthony as the Galway Hurling manager but a lot of people will forget that he brought Gary Castle to an All-Ireland club final the Westmead club and Anthony's a big football man as well and he's a great coach and he's a great motivator and a great trainer and he's very good uh, with one-on-one with individual players as well so um, I would see his input in the training field over the next few weeks having a big impact on uh, how Leash do against Dublin but it's you know, Mick Lillis said after the game as well that it's going to be David and Goliath and uh, if you could argue with him it's it's a monstrous task ahead of them now in, in Kilkenny and a lot of people as well uh, you know, saying it's great the Dublin are out of Croke Park and whatnot, but Leash are losing a home game here at the same time and um, you know, that's that's very disappointing for them Very disappointing indeed Now you were at Fermanagh against Antrim up in Brewster Park one twelve to 9 points the final score the scoreline might suggest that Fermanagh cruised through it uh, they certainly did in the first half. They didn't so much in the second half. Here is their manager, Pete McGrath. He spoke to BBC Northern Ireland. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at it, with five, six minutes to go, they were back to within three points. And we were struggling. Uh, Anthony were certainly taking the game to us. And this was after periods of the match where we were totally dominant and really should have been further ahead. And the fact that we did lose a grip in the game and the fact that we did let Antrim in to that extent, that is a cause for concern, particularly if you consider that Donegal are our next opponents in four weeks' time. So Pete McGrath, the Fermanagh manager, speaking to BBC Northern Ireland there. Sean Quigley getting a goal late on. He was quiet enough in the second half up to that point. Uh, Jason, what did you make of Fermanagh's performance? They went on a run last year. It ended at the quarter-final stage against Dublin. 
and they look like they could possibly go on a run again this year Donegal up next in four weeks time yeah a lot of work for Fermanagh to do as well over the next uh, four weeks or so Ashin, you know they were they were completely dominant in that first half yesterday against Antrim but Antrim were very very poor I, f- I found them very disappointing now, um, to be honest they were 9-2 down at half time the game looked done and dusted at half time um, you know Antrim just really really struggled they didn't get a point from play in the first half uh, Bam Leeson got both scores one from a free one from a 45 and even though uh, Sean Quigley was being hoovered up a lot in the forward line Tomas Corrigan was making up for that he got, he got uh, 9 points in total I think yesterday for uh, for Fermanagh and his kicking was just sublime he got he got a line ball in the first half and then a minute or two, uh, within the same minute yeah. he kicked a free from pretty much the same position and just sailed them both over the bar I don't know was he learning from playing his club football with the Brogan brothers here in Dublin but uh, he was the difference yesterday big time and then when Quigley did get his chance he buried it and that was game over when uh, when Antrim were just about clawing back into it and Fermanagh kind of fell asleep for a lot of the second half and that's what Pete was saying there he, he, that's what he would worry about in terms of taking on Donegal next Yeah how are they set up for that game I mean they looked at times yesterday like they were kind of preparing with Donegal in mind which is dangerous but against Antrim I won't say they got away with it but they did enough yeah, they did do enough. Um, they know Antrim and Sid out at that stage. They've played each other three times in the championship alone in the last year because they they bizarrely met in the championship twice last year in Ulster and in the back door because uh, in the back door, I think the fact that they'd played each other already didn't matter because they met um, er- early on in the Ulster championship too. So uh, it did look like they had an eye on Bob Buffet yesterday, to be honest, and that, that could have been the case. And I suppose you could forgive them for that too, uh, considering the very strong record they have against Antrim particularly in the championship but uh, they did do enough to get over the line uh, you know it, it looked like it might have been just about enough in the end but Corrigan was the difference and Fermanagh were just better than Antrim on the day and Antrim were very very poor and they, they have a round one of the qualifiers to look forward to and uh, you know they, they'll, they'll go into that with no fear either they they went down to Port Leash last year and won in the first round it was a great great result for them and then Fermanagh put them out uh, after that so uh, they'll not be afraid of meeting anyone in the qualifiers either Joe Brawley in the Sunday Independent has accused Jim McGuinness of kind of tricks or upping the ante or kind of, I don't know, not necessarily being straightforward and building Johnny Gall up for this game because he and Rory have had a, do we call it a falling out? What do we call uh, it? A partition. A sep- a per- actually, that's a very good word. They've, they, look, there's certainly been a cooling. Uh, we don't know exactly what the detail are, is. And it's a pity because these are two guys who, who won in All-Ireland together, who worked together mm-hmm. and, and, and won in All-Ireland and it was a great story. But look, Rory's the man now. Jim is the pundit. Jim has said that Donegal have the players to challenge. Joe questioned that in his article. He said, look, Carl Lacey isn't quite where he was. He said Paddy McBrearty isn't a 70-minute man. Colin McFadden just can't do what he was doing anymore and maybe just maybe and this is my comment not his there's an over-reliance on Michael Murphy yeah the problem you can definitely see where Joe Brawley's coming from there with those comments um, but in fairness to Colin McFadden he didn't play a lot during the league Carl Lacey didn't feature until late on in the league Carl was given kind of an extended rest and he was back in full training with the team uh, for a couple of weeks I think before he did see some some uh, proper game time I think he came on the first time he came on was in the home defeat against Roscommon up in Letterkenny for Donegal so uh, I can see where he's coming from based on the league you can see why he's making those points um, you know a lot of Donegal's players are the wrong side of 30 a lot of their key players uh, you know you have Rory Cavanagh coming back who looks like he's he's as good as he ever was but uh, I think there might be worries over Neil Gallagher at the minute uh, I don't think he played for his club Glen Swilly in the club championship at the weekend so I think there's a bit of a doubt over him Explain to people how big a loss he would be 
he would be a massive loss. But the fact that Rory Cavan is back yeah. means that that loss mightn't be as significant because you know you have you would have Rory Cavan and maybe Martin McElhenney in midfield with uh, Hugh McFadden maybe doing a lot of dog work and behind the two of them. So maybe for the Fermanagh game. Uh, which Donegal would fancy their chances for it mightn't be as significant a loss but further down the line uh, if they were to be without Neil Galler, um it would prove a massive hindrance to Donegal okay. Joe Joni's article to go back to him again talked about Donegal being humbled by Dublin in the semi-final they were beaten well but but after the game I spoke to Rory Gallagher and the vibe I got was you know we got this game it was grand to get an extra game but we didn't necessarily care so do we read too much into Donegal's league results and performances well some of the performances were quite poor there's no denying that mm. uh, anyone who saw those games but Donegal never took that much stock out of the league like um, Rory seems to be taking the same approach as Jim McGuinness did in that regard uh, you know Jim only ever wanted to consolidate Donegal's place in Division 1 uh, you know anything that came after that was a bonus and I think Rory seems to be taking the same approach so he'll definitely relish coming up against his home county for the first time as a manager in the championship um, he'll really really look forward to that and I'm sure he'll want to get one over on them uh, in front of a, a home Donegal support in Balba Fay as well This is the Rewind on News Talk we've got Jason Byrne GA journalist of the Irish Sun with us as well and uh, a good Donegal man uh, let's talk about Derry against Tyrone Derry hosting Tyrone next Sunday in the Ulster Championship it has the makings of an intriguing game, but Derry started okay in the league and went downhill, whereas Tyrone always looked very comfortable in Division 2, including in the final. Yeah, Tyrone were just a cut above the rest in Division 2 this year, and Mickey Hart set out a stall to get back up to Division 1 as soon as possible, and they went about that ruthlessly. Um, they've been very, very impressive. They're favourites for the Ulster title, and rightly so. They haven't won it in six years, and... We were speaking to Sean Cavanagh before the the league final against Cavan, uh, which they won convincingly as well. And he said that maybe in latter years, uh, when Tyrone had been winning Ulster titles, that they maybe started to devalue them a bit. But he said that value's come back because there's a lot of players now in the team who mm. haven't won a senior Ulster championship. So they're really, really hungry for that provincial title this year. And I'd be very surprised if the Anglo South Cup didn't go back to Mickey Hart's men. Uh, for the first time since 2010 that's a long time when you think about it uh, when you say it like that that Tyrone haven't won an Ulster title considering the, the dominance they had in the province for, for so long and landing three Sam Maguire's in the middle of it all too so um, I'd be very very surprised if um, it wasn't, it'll be them I would say against Monaghan or Donegal in the final and be very surprised if Tyrone didn't win out because they would certainly fancy themselves in an All-Ireland quarter-final coming in as provincial champions mm. and playing against a qualifier and then bringing them on to an All-Ireland semi-final as well. Colm Kavanagh has been very important for Tyrone this season. He's playing extremely deep. He's breaking up play and he's using the ball very well. He's kind of the platform for a lot of their attacks which do come from deep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like they they they, they can turn the ball over very, very kind of strictly and very, uh, you know, they're very well organised at the back and breaking down the ball Colm Kavanagh becomes the platform as you said for, for mm. what happens after that and he's just playing some unbelievable stuff he was magnificent in the league and uh, you know some of the lads he has around him then like Tiernan McCann and and uh, Peter Hart and then Sean of course is still inside you have young Darren McCurry they've, they've got some really exciting players at the minute who all seem to be gelling really well and uh, you know Tyrone are going to be a, I think they're going to have a massive massive summer and I think along with themselves and Mayo and possibly Kerry between the three of them if anyone's going to beat Dublin it's going to be one of those names 
and Tyrone might well have got to the All-Ireland final last year had the ball gone to the right side of the post as Tiernan McCann would view it instead of the wrong side yeah. that would have been a goal and you would have fancied Tyrone to kick on at that stage maybe McCann was distracted given the events of that week I spoke to Mickey Hart about it just before the final actually and mm-hmm. uh, he said well maybe that was the case we'll never know but he'll use the experience uh, McCann and Hart if, if, if Kavanagh is kind of the ball winner on the platform they're perhaps the driving that the engine yeah. that, that, yeah. that that really gets them going forward and then they've Sean Kavanagh up front and you know, like it's actually you can get really excited when you think about Tyrone can't you yeah you can and like what other people forget is as well that Joe McMahon was missing for a lot of the league with a with a long term injury and he should be back uh, for the championship I think everybody in Tyrone will certainly be hoping yeah. that he will be and uh, you know Joe, maybe Joe hasn't got the legs that he used to but you know he'll really just having his experience in that back line will make a massive massive difference particularly in the big days in the championship and particularly in the Ulster championship when you need that kind of player uh, when you're playing in those type mm. of games and in a hot day in Clonus. It's hard to give Derry any chance. I mean, I've seen them a couple of times this year, including against Tyrone in the league, and they looked a little bit clueless. I appreciate Damien Barton had to serve a suspension, and he's in his first year. He's got a lot of work to do. He admits that himself. And maybe this game has kind of come too early. This is not the ideal kind of game for Derry. No, it's certainly not the way they would like to start their summer. Um, Derry will be very disappointed with the way, particularly their last few Ulster Championship campaigns have gone. Um, you know they've they've gone out in a few games in a whimper and such a proud traditional county with a great history. Uh, but Damien knows Derry football inside out. He, he seems like a really shrewd and smart man. And um, you know I have no doubt that the work he's doing there will start really coming to fruition in the next couple of years. But maybe not this summer. Uh, he knows himself. He's a lot of work to do. He's a lot of young players, and uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the lads in recent years who've served Derry so well have gone off into the sunset. So uh, he knows he's got a rebuilding process to do, but he'll relish taking on Tyrone as well because they've played each other something like three times already this year. And <laughs> McKenna Cup final, normal round of the McKenna Cup or the round robin, and of course the league. Yeah, and like there doesn't seem to be much love lost between the counties at the minute and Damien Barton wouldn't like me saying that because he was keen to kind of play it down coming up to the championship and I think the league game between the sides wasn't as fiery as the, the normal round in the McKenna Cup but yeah. uh, you know the the bite's there and you know it's it's definitely going to be there when they when they meet in, in Celtic Park next Sunday Jason Byrne of the Irish Sun thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast thanks very much Oshie so we talked a lot there with Jason Byrne of the Irish Sun about the win for Leash over the weekend and uh, obviously the win for Fermanagh and the upcoming game between Derry and Tyrone next weekend. We didn't really touch on Louth overcoming Carlo 2.24 to 3.11. Late goals there from Burns and Williams really making it look a lot worse than it was for Carlo although Louth, to be fair, were the better team throughout the game. After the game, I spoke to Louth's manager Colin Kelly and asked him to give me his assessment. Ah, listen, we, we conceded 3.11. Um, that's, that's the reality of it. But, the, but the, you, you know... The good aspects of it was we felt they had players that that could have you know inspirational moments. We tried to to cull that as quick as we could, you know. And I thought I thought the players that was tasked with the individual jobs were excellent. And you know when you look at fellas like Ryan Bones, um, you know Connor Grimes, Jim McEnany, Derek Maguire, Decky Bourne, like like the highly skilled footballers. Um, James Calif had a great match as well. So overall, it was pleasing. And, and to win a championship match on the on the back of promotion was was just just great. And just before I let you go, it's Mead next. I mean, the motivation is obvious for that game. But when Louth have confidence, they're a team who are capable of beating anyone. We saw that in the league final with a good 
display against Antrim. We saw it today. We've seen it in the past. Last year when there was a bit of a lack of confidence, we saw what happened against Tip. Where are the team at going into that game against Meath? Well, the team that played in Sample Stadium last year and the team that played today are two yeah. different teams. The walls apart. Um, so, 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 so that's the first case in point. Secondly, um, these lads have worked their asses off since pre-Christmas. Um, and they're an ambitious group who wants to play for loud. You know, and you know the motivation factor with me, like championship is, is motivation. Every time you get get an opportunity to wear your county jersey, this is what we're speaking about in, in inside the dressing room. It's about players wanting to play and and wanting to to try to be the best they can in the situation. And you know, absolutely, it's you know it's me. It's a local derby or whatever. But you can get caught up in that type of stuff too. You know, for us, it's about the process. And for the next three weeks, it'll be working as hard as we can. Um, we'll go back to the drawing board, we'll analyse our, our, our performance both offensively and defensively and we'll, we'll work on key things and again we'll go through the process and, and, and hopefully in three weeks' time we can bring the same performance to the table. Colin Kelly, the Louds manager, they take on Meath next. For um, Carlo, it was the same old story. Turlock O'Brien, their manager, left frustrated as they lost 224-311 to against Louds. Now they've got to wait to the qualifiers. Traditionally, Carlo haven't fared overly well in the qualifiers this year in the league. Again, a couple of spirited displays but a couple of losses in games that they might have expected to win and it means they stay in Division 4. Uh, their manager, Turlock O'Brien, has a big job to do and I asked him about how you change not just the habits of this team but maybe the habits of the county as well. The problem with Carlo is that unlike Kerry and Dublin and Donegal and Tyrone, our tradition is of losing and that's ingrained in Carlo. And it's on the football field and it's off the football field. And that's the mindset we're trying to change. Now, within the panel, uh, we've got a fantastic uh, commitment over the last two years. Cannot fault it whatsoever. Um, we've brought in a few young lads. Uh, young Darren Lunny started today. He's only 19 years of age. And we have uh, some more young fellas coming through, talented footballers. With the agenda panel, I think they will add to the panel. Um, we just have to get more buy-in, maybe, from people. that are more possible, Carlo. And the work that's been done... Um, it's too easy to be critical. Um, we all fall into that trap uh, because you have this tradition of losing and it's yeah. the same old story. But it doesn't have to be the same old story. Yeah. And we show the times today, look at, yeah, these boys can play good football. Yeah. And it's uh, the effort now is to try and, and, and just, you know, uh, believe more in ourselves and do that uh, consistently for 70 minutes. That's, that's the challenge. Uh, in terms of commitment and, and, and preparation in terms of fitness uh, there's no issue there uh, they're working as hard as any team uh, it's a confidence and belief thing yeah how difficult will it be to keep the squad together for the qualifiers now because as you said there's a lot of young lads there and the temptation with Carlo as it is with other counties who lose early in the provincial championship is for lads to head off to the states I don't think we lose anybody I think they'll all be here they're taking a week off now go back to the clubs and I expect we'll have everybody back the following week Carlo manager Turlock O'Brien Better day or better weekend, I should say, for Offaly manager Pat Flanagan, who watched his team beat Longford 221 to 213. You've probably heard the stat by now that their first Leinster Championship win in nine years. We'll hear from Dennis Connerton, the Longford manager, in a second. He was speaking to Shannon's side, uh, but first, it is Flanagan speaking to Midlands 103. It's great when you um, when you perform to the level that you that, that you can, and I, I I still believe that there's an awful lot more left in this team. Um, 
and it's, it's up to us now to try and get there but like you know, on the day we performed pretty well uh, played some good passages of football delighted for our supporters they came here in force last year and we disappointed them and we talked about that during the week like you know those are the people that we need behind us and we didn't want to let them down again If somebody told me coming here today to score 2.13 and you go home beaten by 8 points I wouldn't have believed And I suppose when you analyse it back you look and you'll see a couple of goal chances missed a penalty James McGivney brought a great save from Mulhall to put it over the bar it could have easily been 4.20 maybe scored because he had a few frees missed as well Yeah it was a hot weekend and the scores in the matches last night as well I just noticed that they were very high scoring and it followed the same pattern today we had chances today there's no doubt about it we had a lot of chances we could have been an awful lot closer at the end but the better team won today Dennis Connerton the Longford boss and uh, Pat Flanagan before him of Offaly Offaly up against Westmeath next in the championship and that's one that Flanagan will be very very eager to win for two reasons one because he's the Offaly manager and he wants to win every game uh, but two when he left Westmeath it was kind of under a cloud and maybe he feels a bit underappreciated by them or certainly maybe felt that way at the time that game will be played on uh, June the 12th in Mullingar for uh, Louds by the way who we heard from just before the Longford and Offaly managers their next task is against Meath and that will be in Parnell Park on Sunday June 12th Right, let's turn our attention to hurling. Brendan Marr of Tipperary readying himself to face Cork next weekend in the Munster quarter-final. Kieran Kingston is the Cork manager. He watched his team have an overall disappointing league campaign, but in the end it worked out because they beat Galway to stay up. We'll hear from Marr in a second, but first, here is Kingston. And uh, I asked him how he rated, or how he has rated, their season so far. We were happy with uh, how the league ended. We weren't happy with how the league went in general, um, certainly, but... uh, we were happy with the last day and I think it gave us a bit of a momentum in, as we had the players back to their clubs and then gave us a, when we get, they came back to us I think we'll come back, they came back in more of a positive mood than maybe before the Galway games. Yeah. You never seen panic throughout the league despite some of the performances not being up to it. Now some of them were, particularly the one against Kilkenny and you were unlucky not to get something out of that game but was it always very much a case that you didn't mind the results because you knew what you were at, you knew what was going on and that, you know... League is league and championship is championship. And I think time will only tell me. I mean, I suppose there's, there's a bit of inner inner cam and outer or outer cam and inner inner panic. Yeah. But um, like we set out our stall in the league uh, before we met in terms of what we wanted to do throughout the league. In no way did it include fighting relegation. Let's be honest about it, and not hiding behind our performances in any way. And we, I, I always said that we didn't want to be in a relegation fight. Uh, we were disappointed with our league performances up to the last no, no question outside of the Kilkenny game and even that game that was the game we should have won so we didn't close it out when we should which was disappointing um, and some of our defeats were very disappointing so um, when you say we didn't, pa- we weren't panicking yeah. uh, because we weren't uh, we weren't winning doesn't mean we weren't panicking somewhat behind the scenes but of course uh, it was disappointing and, and uh, it wasn't the plan there was no master plan let's be honest there was no master plan whereby we would win our last game and we'd feel we were in a better position than we were before the league started what was disappointing about the league? That's disappointing the results, really. Yeah. Uh, and the performance, maybe more in some games, maybe more so than the results. Like, we always kind of look for a performance. Um, over the last few years, there's been a lack of, inc- of consistency with the team, and everybody knows that. And some of the, some of the championship exits have been disappointing. With, so we were trying to get some consistency, and we were trying to change things behind the scenes, train hard, and, and uh, uh, the results didn't go with us. Yeah. So that was disappointing. You've made some big calls personnel-wise. Pat Ronan gone, Shane O'Neill gone. Was this league a chance for them to play their way back in or how did it work? Because 
you know yourself when you, when you when you make big calls like that people will question it I absolutely and that's, that's part of being a manager I mean I think to, I don't think to be fair to be talking about players are no, no longer uh, on the panel nor and to be fair on them or to be fair on, on players the current players who are on the panel who are, who are on the existing panel like as far as we're concerned we have a panel of players we don't have guys with all Ireland medals at any level fighting to get on it or, or on it so our panel is never closed it's open it will always be open um, we are working hard with the panel of players we have and we'll see where that takes us Has that had an effect on the other players in the panel have you seen them work a bit harder have you seen them maybe go oh actually he's willing to cut those who knows what could go on? Who, who knows who could be next? Who knows what could happen if I don't do what the management are telling me to do? I think cut is a very hard word. I mean, our yeah. panel, as I said, is not closed. Um, and it isn't, and everybody knows that. And there are good reasons for that. We haven't won all in 11 years. It can be very naive of me and my management team to close off our panel. Yeah. It never will be. Uh, and everybody knows that. Uh, and everybody has an opportunity to get back on the panel, fight for a place on the panel. And that's the kind of culture we're trying to, we're trying to instill into our players. Like, it's important for us to be as competitive as we possibly can be in 2016, no doubt about that. We weren't, as I said, we weren't, weren't happy with how some of the league went. We will try and do our best every day we go out for the rest of the year. Uh, at the same time, it's important that we look to the future as well. There was a view of Cork last year, maybe even the year before, that you didn't adapt to the modern way of hurling that other teams did and tried to do. Firstly, what do you think of that? And secondly, have you become a bit more tactical I know that's a very very wide word because going 15 on 15 is a tactic but what do you make of that argument that discussion that's always going to happen and you're always going to get those kind of comments when you don't win I remember back in 2014 that was said about Cork as well and then we I think we beat Clare in a a Munster semi-final having made some uh, changes before the game and everybody said that Cork had bought into tactics and we were very very tactical on the day and that's because you win your tactics are great when you win and when you don't win they're poor so I mean, we're, at the same time, we are cognizant of the fact that the game is changing. There's a, we all can see that. We saw the game, the league final. We played two fantastic teams who went at each other very, very hard, and uh, and they got criticised for their tactics um, for the from the previous week and how low scoring, especially the first half, and they came out and a lot didn't change. And it was a fantastic game of hurling. Does it go against your grain though as a Corkman to drop players deeper, to drop in sweepers, or is it just a case of you got to do what you got to do? I think it's hostile for courses. I mean. Um, Obviously, Cork can have, what's it, I say it's a criticism of Cork, but in the past people have said, oh, that's Cork, it's, that's the way Cork do it. I mean, and, and I mean, we, we, we'll see, we take every game as it comes. Yeah. And our attitude is we'll take every game as it comes and we'll see uh, what's the best for that game and how we can perform with, with the players that are available to us. Yeah. I suppose it was Cork who, I won't say invented the short game, but who revolutionised it in the mid-2000s, but pretty much all of that panel of players are now gone. Oh, yeah, the artist, that's over a decade ago yeah. and the game is what, what I'm saying is is that yeah. Cork aren't unique to change in fact they kind of led it in the mid 2000s absolutely and any time it was any time a team is successful they, they're tagged with um, you led change either football or hurling and Kilkenny came on they came successful and they, they were another tactical uh, geniuses and then Clare won all around 2013 adopting tactics and then that's the new way of playing and that's always going to be the case that's the evolution of the game so yeah. we're always going to we're always going to see that and that's we're okay with that tip first up I guess it's a funny one to judge or to know what to expect in because you've both had such a big long gap you've both tried new things you've both changed your panels around a bit so is it more difficult to prepare for in that regard I mean I suppose it probably is but I suppose in some ways cock and tip takes on life its own um, from a cock perspective we know we're up against it on the 22nd of May no doubt about it we're playing one of the favourites for the All-Ireland 
they have a very very strong panel of players um, certainly from our perspective uh, it's well documented well commented on we don't have much of a chance going up there and that's what everybody says and, and there's no expectation on Cork going up there and, and we know that and, and uh, Tipperary are a fantastic team playing up in Turles so it's a huge ask of us going up there and we know that I seem to remember a man saying donkeys don't win derbies do Cork react well to uh, being the underdogs? Ah, time will tell we're, is, is there a more comfortable position for this team to be in? only time only results will, will, will indicate that and, and, and dictate how, how that goes and, um, from our point of view all we can do is is concentrate on our own performance try and get uh, ourselves right for the day we know it's a huge ask um, we absolutely know that and we know from our own perspective I mean, and, and again this is not just me it's people with a lot more knowledge in hurling than me uh, have ranked us accordingly and have commented on where we are in, in the hurling uh, and we know ourselves that we're a bit to go before we can sit at the top table of hurling. At the same time, we'll try and be as competitive as we can. Just before I let you go, what's your injury situation? Uh, Steve McDonald is out for the game. Other than that, we're, we're good to go. He's no chance of playing? No chance of playing. Brendan Maris, your inter-county career goes on. Do you feel differently at the start of a season at this stage of your life than you would have maybe earlier in your career? Um, yeah, it's a difficult question to answer, I suppose, but... Um, I would have to say, yeah, I would, because I suppose different things happen in your personal life that maybe change your focus a little bit. So you change from being a student to being out working, and um, you know, I find it a little bit busier with work now with the job I have at the moment. So it takes up a little bit more time. So you maybe manage your time a little bit more wisely and and try and um, you know make sure that you fit in your your quality of life and not get you know obsessed with all your training, which you can do very easily. Is that a balance that you've been able to find or is it something that you are saying to yourself, well, I'll just have to become happy in my personal life when I retire? Um, no, it, I think you have to work on it and yeah. it's not easy. There is there is weeks where you can get caught up. It's a massive sacrifice. As everyone knows, it is a massive sacrifice, a massive commitment, not a sacrifice. Um, it's a massive commitment to, to play at inter-county level and there's a lot of training has to be done. and It's by choice. Like I mean, I would still do this amount of training if... I was playing club hurling but it's about you know the time constraints maybe of being in a certain place at a time can can often um, hinder maybe your your private life but no you just manage it and you do your work and you do your gym work and your training and you're happy to do it and then you know when you're off you're off like you try and yeah. fit in your bit of social life or whatever you do go meet your family and friends or go do something with your girlfriend whatever it is like I mean the time is there it's just about managing it what's the hardest thing about it is it dealing with the public and I remember Brian Kerr when he was Ireland manager saying at one stage what you have to accept when you become Ireland manager is that all the public know more about football than you do is it a case that all the public know more about hurling than you do and they're always willing to give you their opinion and they're always right yeah like I think it's just something you get used to like that you know when people meet you they want to talk hurling and I'm happy to talk hurling I love I love the game as as a supporter as much as anyone Um, and but like I suppose you have to kind of realise then there's a certain responsibility when you're a Tipperary hurler as well so um, the Tipperary public are quite demanding but I suppose we're quite demanding ourselves then as a Tipperary supporter you, when you get the chance to become a Tipperary player you put massive pressure on yourself and you always want to success, want to succeed as much as possible and um, you know, over the years we've, we feel we've, we've given it 100% I've always given 100% every year I go out and it's the same this year now we're just trying to get ourselves into a place where we can be uh, as competitive as possible and hopefully that brings a bit of silverware then You've gone through a league campaign in which new management has kind of tried a few things and a relatively successful campaign, losing out to Clare in the quarterfinal. But I think, you know, you can look at that and say, well, you got an awful lot out of the league. But for you, 
was the start of this season maybe about recovering from that loss to Galway or were you able to shake that off fairly easily I mean that, that struck me as a particularly tough one to take yeah it was very tough um, and there was a few months afterwards where it was all it was just corrupt in your mind but mm. you have to be able to move on and that's something as a as a sportsman that you have to be able to do um, so for me starting out in the league all I was thinking about was trying to get a league medal because I don't have one and it's you know it's it's a medal that I it's the only one I've failed to to achieve and you know you want to try and win every competition that you go out and play in so for me it was it was about trying to get a, a run of performances and you know as you said it was a successful campaign in one sense that we found a lot of new players and a lot of players got their chance um, but obviously ended in defeat to Clare which is disappointing so um, it was kind of an up and down league campaign but once that finished then you kind of just draw a line under us and you kind of say right well let's focus on championship and getting ourselves right um, so we've had a long longish layoff it was kind of clear layout for us of what we were going to do and um, now it's only around the corner so it's great to be looking forward to the game Those young players are you envious in some ways because they haven't kind of been through what you've been through you've, you've had some hard days in a t- tipped jersey is that easy to get over? Is that easy to put behind? Is that something that, that drags at you or is that something that you can use nearly as a positive or is it a mix of all of that? Yeah, I try and use it as a positive because you can look at, we've had some great days in Tipperary jersey as well so to put things into perspective like, you know, I've managed to win four Munster finals and an all in the middle as a senior player so um, I'm sure there's lots of lots of lads who would take that it, it's like this is my seventh year playing so um, but definitely like there is regrets and there is like what ifs but you use them as motivation to carry on and it keeps you going and you know that strive for success is still burning inside you and until that that burns out like you keep going when you hear people talking about Clare and Waterford and Clare and Waterford themselves talking about this changing the tactics and evolving their game to match Kilkenny do you kind of get a little bit irked by that because you've come very very close to Kilkenny in the last couple of years literally the puck of a ball so maybe they should be putting you into that sentence as well um, I wouldn't get irked by that Kilkenny are the benchmark and you know that's they've been the benchmark for the last decade so um, no I, that wouldn't hurt me I mean to be honest the way the game has gone now it's an open championship and teams have improved so much um, we have to take it just one step at a time we're not thinking about Kilkenny or yeah. anyone else only Cork on the 22nd of May and hopefully get over that and then we can look forward to the next game what about yourself? You played as a half forward and a half back. Which do you prefer, and what are the differences between the two? Um, like I suppose I only had a short enough stint. I suppose and as a half forward last year, it was a specific role that Eamon wanted me to play, and it was actually more of a midfield kind of a role where he wanted me out around the middle as a third midfielder. So um, I'm back now in midfield or half back this year. So um, it's probably my most natural position being out around the middle. Um, I had no problem playing centre forward. It was never something that bothered me. But um, you know, like it's. I think maybe my more natural position is around the middle of the field or in the half-back line. Um, but, I mean, I'm just happy to get a jersey too. Like, you, you always, like, when you think of people who are lucky enough to play for Tipperary, you're happy whatever jersey you're given, you'll take it with both hands. I've been speaking to Declan Fanning, and he says, look, Tipperary are a bit more traditional in their approach to maybe Clare and Waterford. Is it tough, though, when you're playing in that kind of midfield role to know whether you're pushing on or dropping back? And Is that something you have to assess during a game? Yeah, definitely. I think that's the one thing I've noticed over the past number of years with the changes in the game. Um, the middle third is probably where the biggest changes have happened, like where it's more congested now and the, the, the ball is moving a little bit differently in that there's maybe more sharp passes and hand passes. So you have to adapt your game and you know, like that's something we've had to do as a team and something you have to do individually and that could happen within a game. So 
Um, that is definitely something that you've had to integrate into your approach and probably your mental approach as much as anything that you know things could happen here that you might have to change the game you want to play might not as necessarily happen that you might have to you know sacrifice your game a little bit and man mark or track a lot of runs or whatever it is so you have to just assess your opponents and be ready for whatever they bring does that make it more or less enjoyable to play um, if I'm being honest, I prefer the conventional 15 on 15 traditional game. Um, but I mean, like at the end of the day, it is what it is, and you have to be able to adapt. And if we want to be successful as a team, we have to try and impose our game as much as possible. But when we're faced with challenges like that, or different systems, or different ways of playing, we have to be able to adapt to it and overcome it. What's it been like dealing with Mick? Because obviously he was part of Eamon's panel, but he was the the assistant manager, selector, coach, whichever way you want to put it. Whereas now he is the boss man. Yeah, well, I think he's had a gradual transition because last year he would have been doing a lot of talking in the dressing room, and he was he was an assistant manager, like so. Um, himself and Eamon would have would have shared a lot of talks and a lot of um, a lot of group meetings and that. So it's been a really smooth transition for us, and Mick has the utmost respect from all the players because he's been around so long and he knows us all and he knows the game and he knows what it takes. So um, you know, it's been a really smooth transition, and he's brought in some fresh faces and you know both to the panel and to the backroom team. Um, so it's been a nice change and it's really brought a, you know, an enthusiasm to training. He's been given a bit of breathing space to do the job as well because he's brought in so many young players and I suppose in the last few weeks all the focus has been on Clare and Waterford. Yeah, I mean, that's natural when they were in the league final because obviously that's what you're going to be talking about, the, the teams that are playing at the moment. So, um, look, I mean, we're happy to just train away and get ourselves right. You know, this Sunday, the 22nd of May, is when everyone's going to judge us and judge our performance. So that's all that matters to us, really. You can train, you can work, you can talk, but... Is it a case that because there's been such a long gap between your last competitive game and your next competitive game, you won't actually know until that ball is thrown in against Cork where you're at? Yeah, I mean, you try and replicate it in training and the build-up. So we've had a couple of very competitive training games and we have, uh, you know, we've had some challenge games and that. And again, we've some more training to get through now before the 22nd. So you try and build up that form and that that consistency in training. You know, and that's that's the challenge for every team that. You know, you're not always going to have a game every week to to build up that bit of momentum or form. So you have to kind of replicate it in training. So that's our that's our focus and that's our aim. 15 on 15 inside in training, and that's when you earn your place and that's when you you know as a team you grow. Cork don't tend to crowd the middle as other teams do, so that means it will probably be more of a traditional type of game. Yeah, I mean, we're not sure we're, we're going to expect anything. You know, it's it's um, who knows what they'll try and do. I'm sure they have some some tactical things up their sleeve. You know, as every team does. So um, we we'll just have to wait and see. As you said, when the ball is thrown in, see what way the game is panning out and adapt to it as best we can and try and impose our game. Is it a case for Tip this year that you have to win the All Ireland? Because in the last couple of years, I'm not sure what the view was inside the group, but outside it was this is a team who should be winning the All All Ireland. Is that how you look at it? Um, look, I mean, we believe that we have the potential to win an All-Ireland and we go out and we give 100% every year. It's no different this year. We're going to give it absolutely everything, everything we have as a group and everything we have individually to go out and be successful. And we want to do that for the good of Tipperary Hurland, the same as every supporter wants us to win for the good of Tipperary Hurland. So we'll give it 100% this year and we just hope that it will bring the success. Last question. Your trip to Australia to play cricket. Yeah. I know it was you know, a marketing gimmick, but for you, did you get something out of it? Did you genuinely learn more about yourself or kind of benefit from the experience of going outside and looking back in yeah it was it was it really was a, a tough challenge like I know yeah. it was that's the the whole marketing campaign but like it really took me out of my comfort zone to do, to go and try and play a sport that I'd never even like had an 
training thing of it like you know I was literally trying into the deep end so um, oh, I did learn from it it was a great learning experience but you know as a life experience just to be able to look back on it yeah. and say that you got, I got to travel to Australia and do it and I learned something from you know the whole professional set up side of things like the more, their approach to it and how relaxed they are and that they enjoy it and um, it kind of when I was coming home, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know what, you need to enjoy your hurling as well and not get bogged down and things, and you know, enjoy it for what it is. Tipperary wing back and occasional wing forward and midfielder Brendan Marr speaking to the rewind here on News Talk. Before him, you heard from Cork manager Kieran Kingston, both looking ahead to next Sunday's clash between the two in the Munster quarter final. That one throws in at four o'clock. We'll have updates and analysis across the afternoon from that. And of course at 2 o'clock we've got uh, Derry against Tyrone live on Off the Ball. We'll also have the latest from the K-Club as it happens in the Irish Open. Paddy Mulligan, formerly of Chelsea, Crystal Palace, West Brom and Shamrock Rovers as well as Ireland of course uh, joins us as always to talk football. And uh, with them Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball. Gentlemen I'll come to you in a second. Before I do I want to get you to listen to a clip of Spurs manager Mauricio Pochettino speaking after their 5-1 loss to Newcastle as their collapse at the end of the season continued and of course that collapse has cost them not only the title but second place they finished third they're still in the Champions League but it's not an ideal ending to the season this is what the Tottenham boss had to say after yesterday's game I think after Chelsea we believe that was an accident against Southampton but it wasn't an accident because the mentality that we showed today was a shame and we need to accept that apologize our fans, our supporters, first of all, and our families too, because uh, it was a shame that all that happened on the on the pitch. Paddy Mulligan, what do you make of what uh, Pochettino has to say there? It, it, this started weeks back um, as regards uh, the, the Spurs uh, fallout. It started um, in the in the West Brom game because they had absolutely no idea uh, that night of White Hart Lane. Then it continued on against Chelsea from a 2-0 lead. They managed to absolutely blow it. Then it continued on against Southampton. So Pochettini and his managerial skills were, were to me, left, uh, left floundering. Now, the attitude of the players has, has been absolutely atrocious as well for the past few days. But that comes down to the manager. He's got to go and prepare his team. That's, that's, that's what he has to do. And he, he, he certainly didn't prepare his team correctly in, in either the West Brom game that I saw, the, the, the Chelsea match, or the Southampton match. And again yesterday. They were absolutely yeah. appalling yesterday. So he's got a long, hard job. Now, he's asking, he's asking for new players. That doesn't sound good to me. If Levy is back in the mix as regards the buying of players with his little committee at, at, at Spurs. One assumes he'll get them time. as well because he signed a five-year contract last week. This contract was talked about a couple of weeks ago but it was confirmed that he had signed it yes. last week. So obviously if he has signed that as recently as last week it might he has follow. agreement in place. It might necessarily yeah, surely, it, but, but surely he wouldn't have signed it unless he had that agreement in place. Well Brendan Rodgers signed contracts and yet he had, yet he had no, no say in the, in, in the buying of or selling of players at, at Anfield just yeah. just for instance you know, and, and that's the way the, the, the game has gone mm. and that's the crazy part you know Benitez is, 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 is a totally different kettle of fish Benitez insists that he buys and sells the players and that's the way that it should be because at the end of the day it all falls back in the manager. So if Potticino has agreed to stay at Spurs for another five years and has, is not in control of the buying and selling of players well then he, he's made a huge, huge mistake. Have you ever been part of an end of season collapse like that that led into the next season? Uh, my question being Will this affect Spurs at the start of next season? Yes, I think I think it very well could because um, Spurs had a wonderful chance of of of, of winning the, the 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 Premier League this year. Didn't do it, but then uh, the next uh, thing to do was at least finish second 
uh, above the Arsenal. Now, they couldn't do that either, and Arsenal, for the 24th season in succession, have finished uh, above Spurs. Now, on a, on a, a total parochial issue, uh, that, that, that would not be good. Uh, for, for, for a North London team um, but look at uh, Spurs now have got to uh, settle back down again um, put put everything to, to, to history re, re, remind themselves of how Is there genuine animosity there or do you think that's just I'm not at all that's, that's no that's, Sir, that's what, what I mean is, is do you think it does affect players that no, they actually shouldn't. lost second place to Arsenal because what, the, what it should do it should inspire them yeah. and say this will not happen to us you know, we won't be, we won't be, we, we won't be uh, 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 upset by what people say. We'll go out and we'll prove that, that we're the players that 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 we've been shown all season long. Well, well, up to the, up to the last four or five games. But don't forget that Newcastle did a double on them. Newcastle beat them in White Hart Lane uh, when it wasn't fashionable to do so before Christmas, and and now they're now they're after hammering them five one. So there's a, there's a lesson there someplace for Potocino. But you know, they they go on about Potocino as, as if he's God's gift to, to the planet as regards his managerial skills. Well, he's been found wanting over the past month to five weeks, as far as I'm concerned, and he he's he's got a lot to learn, and it's all very was all oh, Spurs are a young team. They're an experienced team, you know, and 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 they've been they've been playing very very well all season long. And don't forget that Harry Redknapp had them in a wonderful position five or six years ago until the great uh, uh, chairman Daniel Levy uh, started becoming involved in stuff uh, in in the buying and selling of players. And if, I'm I'm afraid for Spurs fans that if this happens again. That's the that's the the road that they're going to go down on, and, and and some people would sarcastically say, well, look, that's what we, that's what we expect from Spurs because all that's all they've ever done since 1961 is implode, and unfortunately, that's true. That that you know that that's the sad part about it. And uh, actually, moving on to kind of Arsenal as well, um, there was kind of rumor um, around last night that uh, Leicester's and Golo Kante is kind of thinking of going to Arsenal, like that's that whole idea, I suppose of. You know, where a great team kind of comes together and then they get picked apart. Uh, do you think Leicester can kind of survive without some of the, maybe if Kante goes or if maybe someone comes in for Mares as well? I personally wouldn't like to see other Kante or Mares goes. I think that what Liverpool sh- or what Leicester should be doing is uh, building a really strong squad and keeping all of those players at Leicester and and making it so attractive for them at Leicester that they don't, don't they won't want to go anywhere else. I mean. Who's to say that Arsenal are going to be better next season than they were this season or better than Leicester? There's nobody, nobody going to say that because they, they may very well not be. Who's to say that Spurs will have the run that, they, that, that, that they've had this year? We don't know that. So I'd, I, if I were the Leicester players, if I were at, at Leicester City, I'd be saying to the players, you lads stay here, give us one more season or two more seasons and we'll take it from there. Because if they go to a bigger club, they, they won't be playing every game like they did at Leicester City. They'll be they'll be in and out of a squad rotation system, yeah. and they might not. They, they I guarantee you, if if these players want to play every week, they will not be happy with that, and therefore their form is going to dip, and they won't be the players that they were at Leicester City. So, you know, the the advice I would give them: stay at Leicester City. It's yeah. it's it, it, it's a smashing club. It's a wonderful story, but it's it, it's not it's not it's Roy the Rover stuff. But make the whole thing reality. Maybe the rumor is more of a hope for Arsenal fans because. Kante is the kind of player that Arsenal fans have dreamed of, have craved, have wanted desperately over the last couple of years. And you could argue they haven't had that kind of imposing midfielder since 
yeah, Fabregas. Very different to Kante. But, pretty different, but, yes. But, yeah, but, but an imposing presence at yeah. midfield. Arteta's now gone. Okay, he was gone anyway, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Rzyski's now gone. Never really worked out. Flamini has never really done the job Arsenal fans wanted him to do since he came back. Yeah, Cochrane's so, been out injured as well. And exactly. Spent his so, time out injured. So Kante is the ideal Cazor- player. Cazor is, 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 is a different type of player. Kante again. Wilshere again, a lot of injury. Well, Wilshere is... is it's never going to uh, feature as far as I as far as But I'm outside concerned. of that Kante would be ideal for Arsenal. But would would Arsenal be he's ideal? The missing piece. Would Arsenal be no, I don't think he's the missing piece. I think there, there there's quite a few missing pieces at, at Arsenal Football Club and uh would would Arsenal be the fit for Kante? I don't believe that Arsenal would be the fit for Kante. Uh I think that Arsenal are very weak at the back and they certainly they desperately need frontmen uh as far as I'm concerned and until they get their back four Sort of, they thought about getting checked last season, as, as we as we all did, that he would save them fifteen, sixteen uh, uh, goals a season. But yes, they they keep leaking goals, and the two central defenders, Mertesacker and Koscielny, to me are very, very poor defenders, and they get it on occasion they get away with murder. So unless unless Wenger rectifies the back four problems, which which I've been highlighting for three or four years now, maybe more, and 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 he needs another striker. Giroud gets a hat trick yesterday when it's not important whether he gets a hat trick or not. In the important games, they don't they don't turn up. That's that's the Arsenal. That's the Spurs of of, of this world, and, and that's that's the sad part about it for Arsenal and Spurs supporters. That, that, that that's what happens to them. Unfortunately, at this at this juncture, I'm not saying it will continue on, but they need he, he, uh, Wenger needs to, needs to change his attitude towards players because he's buying weak minded players who 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 when when push comes to shove, they just don't uh, produce. And he needs to get players with, with uh, as you say, uh, Oshin, Kante would be ideal for them. But would Arsenal be ideal for Kante? And the, que- and the answer to the, for that, uh, to me, is no, he, 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 they wouldn't be. I want to talk to you about Crystal Palace, your old club, back in a cup final for the first time since 1990. They've never won a major honour. Uh, look, we've talked an awful lot about Manchester United and what's, went, what's gone wrong for them this season. We know why they haven't got mm-hmm. to the Champions League. It's because they haven't been good enough and we're all well aware about Louis van Gaal and what he's been doing as a manager we've talked about that throughout the season so let's concentrate on Palace this is a game they can win oh very very much so and if, 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 if Alan Pardew sets his Palace team up the way I believe that he should set them up and that is just give 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 United absolutely no space whatsoever it's going to be very very hard work at the end of a long hard season for 90 minutes or 90 plus minutes but if they can do that and they and they can stifle for the likes of Martial uh, j- just for instance they're going to be in with a great show because from set pieces they can they can harm United because West Ham damaged United very much so from two from two set pieces uh, last Tuesday night and they have the setup to damage teams from set pieces with Damian well, Delaney they, for got, example uh, yeah and they've got and they've got uh, Scott Dan going up there as well and he's 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 fairly useful in uh, in the air along with the aforementioned uh, Damian Delaney so I, I would give I would give Palace every chance provided that they play they're going to have to play to the very best of their ability and if they do that. Who knows? Uh, do you think the cup matters for Van Hal's future, or should that be even almost irrelevant at this point? No, I I, I think Van Hal's future is 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 well and truly uh, sorted out now by Man United. It's just that they're not announcing it. I think I I I firmly believe and have done for a number of months that that, he, that he's gone. Um, and, and and why they don't announce it? I think United have, have behaved very very badly. Uh, in in this situation, now perhaps I'm very I'm very wrong in, in in my in my thoughts. It's only it's only my opinion, but I I, I see that that, that, that uh, in my in my mind that Mourinho is going to be there, um, because I don't think Mourinho would be hanging around 
um, without being, uh, being with another club if, if that situation uh, didn't prevail. Europa League final Wednesday night, Liverpool against Sevilla in Baal stroke Basel. Um, you'd have to say Sevilla are probably favourites they're going for a three in a row but Liverpool just have this knack and European nights, European nights yes yeah, and, and, and uh, from a Liverpool as a Liverpool supporter let's hope that they, that they continue on and, you've never mentioned and, that and have a and have a, a, a huge you've been on that for years you just don't listen to me you've cut your <laughs> Liverpool you, you cut your I'm a Liverpool fan mentions to three times a podcast you're pretty impressed <laughs> Anyway, sorry, you were analysing. No, you're all right. And uh, it's going to be a very, very tough game for Liverpool. Um, but I do think that they can, go and, uh, they can go and win it. If they play anything like they played against uh, United, Anfield, Dortmund, um, both home and away to a degree, because they, they, they could have come back leading 2-0 from, from um, Dortmund and didn't end up lo- lo- uh, losing it 1-0, and then Villarreal. Um, so I, I would think they're going to give a very, very good account of themselves. As he rested nearly all of his, his, his top players there yesterday, and which was the right thing to go and do, keep them fresh for Wednesday, and let's hope that that they can go and do it. I, I think that they just about might scrape there. It may very well go to a penalty shootout as well, yeah. because Sevilla are a very, very formidable side. There's no, no, no doubts about that. Does he take a gamble on Origi or or Henderson? No, he can't. No, no, definitely not. Can't take a gamble on either. Not even on the bench. Players. No, I don't. I don't believe so because Origi won't have as much fitness, yeah. and Henderson certainly hasn't got as much fitness. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be taking a risk because we saw how Rafa's ploy to start Harry Kuehl and then make sure he got injured after what twenty five minutes against. But Harry Kuehl made sure that worked really well after eighteen minutes. He but tricked us all yeah. with that Rafa. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, just say Liverpool win this. Uh, how important are trophies to a squad um, in terms of when as they go forward into a like a future kind of generation? Oh, it's paramount. You can't. You, you just don't get enough of winning trophies. I don't care whether it's the FA Cup, whether it's the League Cup, uh, Europa, Europa Cup. I couldn't give two who's what it is, but and, and winning and it gives a great winning. It gives you a winning mentality and it, it, it breeds confidence. And everybody walks around with it, with, with, with a swagger, and, and everybody is happy at, at a club. Uh, all of the employees are happy because it, it, it gives them something to be happy about. That's, that's why that's why you go and play the game. You go and play the game because you want to, you want to be a winner. You want to win competitions. And look at if, if they can yep. manage the, the, the Europa League. And also the the, the, the added the added factor is that they're in the, they'd be into the Champions League. What a huge bonus that is from being nowhere yeah. uh, in the league. That's Liverpool now. I want to ask you about Liverpool next season. Gotze is available. Carlo Ancelotti has said, "Sorry, son, you're not in my plans for Bayern. You can go." Would he be a good? Uh, Who was that? Mario Gotze. Oh yeah, Gotze would be a very good buy for for uh, for Liverpool. Is he the kind of player mm-hmm. that they need right yes, now? Yes, right now he he would be he would be absolutely perfect for Liverpool. Ideal. Paddy, just before we go, the SSE Electricity League St Pat's and Longford. What a belter of a game on Friday night! Six Three goals. What more could you ask for? Six goals ah, in the second half. In the second half, smashing smashing stuff and and and, and Pat's equalising the last. Well, Longford thinking they had it won, have a missed a penalty. Uh, well. When they missed the penalty, it had to be retaken, and then he he stuck the ball in the back of the net at the second half of asking, but then they, they to go three two up, and then Pats go straight down, and within a minute I think it was, and and they they equalised at three each. But Pats would be a bit disappointed with their with their, with their home firm. They they would have expected uh, probably with all due respect to Longford. Could you see everything that's right and everything that's wrong with Pats in that second half? Scored three, let in three. Scored three, let in three. Exactly. I mean, from 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 midfield back. It, it was horrible stuff. There was nobody closing people down, nobody marking people. It was, it was nightmare stuff. I'm sure Liam, Liam, Blow, Liam Buckley are probably asleep as night on, on Friday night. But look, as, as, a, as a neutral, it was, it was smashing entertainment. Six well, goals, 
happy days well if you're allowed to say you're a Liverpool fan I'm allowed to say I'm a Cork City fan and they had a good win with the last are. minute goal against uh, Derry 2-1 you're even a Waterford fan well from Waterford but yeah. a Cork City fan I've explained it many 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 <laughs> many you, times you never explained that to me bandwagon I'm only hearing jumping. about it now bandwagon jumping that's all it is oh, is that it? Okay. when I was growing up Cork City were way better than Waterford but listen Rafa, and actually Rafa tells me that you never grew up and well, I'm, be, I'm beginning to sorry, I'm beginning to agree with him. Sorry, I'm now a legal adult, but I've never grown up. Is the way I would uh, the way I'd put it. But uh, look, technically, what are you? Forty two gone on two. Minus About six, <laughs> minus seven. Minus seven. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, 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 Turner's Cross was actually technically closer to my house than. Kilcone as it would have been oh, back then. Oh, so. now you're telling me. No, oh, you're not now a few plus, secrets plus, here. Plus Dave Barry. Oh, now Dave I never Barry, knew that. Dave Barry. Did Dave Barry do it for you? He did. Dave Barry played for Cork and that was it for me. Yeah. That, that game against Bayern Munich and the goal, that's that's why I support Cork. Anyway, that's That was it a wonderful result here that night, wasn't it? Fantastic. Great result. Fantastic. Anyway. Great result. Anyway, we could talk about it all day, but luckily for you, we will not. Uh, the SSE Electricity League with Richie and I is available on Wednesday afternoon via the News Talk uh, website and, of course, iTunes. Among our guests this week, Shelburne boss Kevin Doherty on uh, life in the First Division and his own playing days. We'll also preview what's coming up and look back on what's gone on. If you want to catch any of us during the week, you can get me via Twitter at Hoshin Langan. You can get Raf on at Raftastico. And Paddy Mulligan is on Twitter as well. Oh, yeah, every every now and again. Lenny the Lion, one, two, three. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, the woohoo part is not actually part of it. It's at Lenny the Lion, one, two, three. Right, that's it for the uh, rewind this week. We'll catch you next week. Don't forget Live GA back on News Talk uh, next weekend. And the lads will be practically living at the K Club for the Irish Open. I'll talk to you during the week. Take care. Good luck. Rewind with Oshin Langan. Kicks Rifles it into the roof of the net. It's a big goal for Leash, and it might be the final breaking point in the spirit of Wicklow. We're under no illusions if we go out, and it's anything like that in three weeks' time. It's over after ten minutes, you know, so we've a serious amount of work to do in the next three weeks. Burns goes forward, Burns inside the D, a goal finishes it for Loud. Loud 122, Carlo 211, good night, good luck. The problem with Carlo is that, unlike Kerry and Dublin and Donegal and Tyrone, our tradition is of losing. That's ingrained in Carlo. We're all just really grateful to get the win, you know, it's been a long time coming and, um, you know, it's an emotional day for everyone. I think the lads are going home happy, the supporters are going home happy and, you know, it's a great place to I haven't spoken to Werdel, I don't think that we need to speak because he knows perfectly what is this club. He has friends inside here and he's a, a, a very important manager in Europe, so I'm sure that he will have all the information.